have it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2,256. Today we're going to be talking about, well, a great racer, Jackie Ix, and his complete authorized autobiography by an author who's been on the show before. So buckle up, get ready for a fun ride, and be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today, I'm back across the pond in the wonderful country of the UK, which I actually spent Christmas Day in London, Heathrow. Kind of not really a normal Christmas, but I had a bit of a layover there on my way to Mumbai. So I got to wave to my guest today from the airport. Returning to our show today is John Saltonstall. John, welcome back to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Oh, yes, indeed, Mark. It's great to be back, and thanks for inviting me again. Oh, absolutely. Well, you've got something new that you put together, just this little book, (laughs) because this is quite the book. And when you were on the show before, we spoke about your last book, uh, which was amazing. This book, I think, is even bigger. And as we joke that the uh, Postal Band is going to love you because shipping these things uh, is going to be a bit of a challenge. But before I give you introduction and we dive into this book, I may have asked you this last time you were on the show, but what's one little thing that people don't know about you, John? Um, not, not that many people know that I, um, I play rhythm guitar in a, uh, in a 20 piece big band. <laughs> I remember <laughs> so, that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Lurk, lurking in the rhythm section at the back out of the way. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, we try and hide these lights under a bushel a little bit. Do you still, uh, are you still doing that to this day? I mean, you guys play, oh, yeah, play in pubs yeah, and yeah, things? Yeah. Re- rehearsing every week and gigging a dozen times a year. If people will hire us. We've got to have you over here because you see over my shoulder here a, a Fender Strat hanging on the I, wall. I do indeed. Yeah, which is a, a hot rod edition, a limited edition that they made of these things. Candy apple red with a engine turned pick guard, which is kind of fun. So uh, Very nice. make your way over here and uh, I'll hand you that guitar and a couple others I have and, and have you strum me a, a few tunes. How's that sound? That sounds like a good plan. You, right. if, we, when, next time you're back this way, you'll have to come and fiddle around with my sort of 40-odd-year-old Voxes. Ooh, well, you know, I'll spend more time than a few-hour layover next time I'm in London. I didn't get much time there. And I tell you, uh, Christmas meal was, uh, well, wasn't too bad in the British Airways lounge, but wasn't quite the home cooking I'm used to. So. No, it's not what you planned, is it? Well, it was planned, but, you know, that's the way it goes. Uh, Mumbai is a long way. From this part sure. of the world. Holy cow. Well, let me give you an introduction. We're going to dive into what you're doing. John Saltonstall grew up near Donington Park in England, where he witnessed his first motor car race at the young age of 12 after winning tickets in a local newspaper competition. Well, already fascinated by the sport and its history and affirmed Ferrari fan, he obsessively pursued his interests while following a career in banking and finance. His admiration for one Ferrari driver led him to embark on a book, Nicky Lauda, which we spoke about last time he appeared here. Uh, His competition history, which was published by our friends at Evro Publishing. Uh, Encouraged by the acclaim of his first book, he moved to a similar project with another famous racer by the name of Jackie Ix, a driver with truly eclectic and 
fascinating racing life. John is married, of course. He lives in uh, Leicestershire. Am I saying that right? Leicestershire. Leicestershire. That's like Worcestershire sauce, you know? Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. There's a a, a dozen shires in England. There you go. Lots of them. We'll be back in just a moment, but first a word from our sponsors. They keep the petrol in the tanks here. So sit tight, buckle up. We're going to go on a ride with John and Jackie X. We'll be right back. Years ago, when it was time to renew my collector car insurance policy, my carrier's rates went up way up, but my usage was the same and I never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. So what's with that? So I turned to American Collectors Insurance. Has your collector car insurance recently raised your rates for no good reason? Tired of paying an annual membership fee? Then it's time to look around and call American Collectors Insurance. I shopped around, I asked friends for recommendations and found a winner that I can trust. And boy, I'm glad I did. I saved hundreds of dollars every year and slept better at night knowing my baby was properly insured. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting vehicles since 1976. They provided me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by their history of taking great care of their clients. What could be better than that? So give them a call and ask for a quote today. 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. And protect the ones you love like I did with American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. For several years now, you've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine. I've been a subscriber since the start. Their talented and creative team brings you a spectacular publication and website that shares the automotive passion from a worldwide perspective. Linkage is about driving, restoring, collecting, and firsthand experience at collector car auctions and more. They bring you real-world values plus rational, experienced opinions on the current markets. They cover the automotive world and the people who share our passions. And Linkage Magazine has grown, mailing you six issues annually. Join me on this journey with Linkage. They're geared for the automotive life. You can subscribe at LinkageMag.com. 20, 50, or 100 years from now, will there be a workforce to care for the collector vehicles we love? With auto shop programs disappearing across the country, it's a question we enthusiasts have to ask. That's why I support the RPM Foundation, which exists to ensure that the critical skills necessary to preserve and restore these vehicles aren't lost to time. One of the many ways RPM, which is short for Restoration, Preservation, and Mentorship, is accomplishing this goal is through workforce development initiatives. The RPM Apprenticeship Program enables the next generation of artisans to earn a living while they learn the craft of restoring and preserving these vehicles directly from industry professionals. The Endangered Skills Program documents the process of masters training future craftspeople on a variety of critical skills in danger of being lost forever. For more information on how the RPM Foundation is driving the future of the collector vehicle skills trade, visit RPM Foundation today. They're one of the charities of choice here on Cars Yeah. So, John, we are back. Well, I got a copy of this new book and I went, holy cow, 600 plus pages on Jackie's career. Now, I kind of get that because this guy's career is insane. And as I strum through your book here, there's things in there I had no idea about Jackie. But how long did a project like this take you to do? Um, Start to finish, it was uh, give or take three years, which um, was 
eased a little bit by the, <laughs> if I can use that word, it was made possible by the pandemic. The pandemic kind of stopped me going out in the evening. So I spent a lot of time writing and researching that I might otherwise have been doing other things with my life with. The size of it is a legacy, as you say, of the, the guy's eclectic career, uh, 573 races. And because so many of those races were endurance races or long distance rally raids, there's more to write about. So um, largely a fact that there was so much to go at that made it the size that it is. Well, one of the things we discussed, and, and I had the great fortune of meeting Jackie X at the last Rensport reunion at Laguna Seca, and I actually sat down next to him, and I mean, he treated me like an old friend. I couldn't believe it. But trying to get him on my podcast has been nearly impossible. He's my other uh, white whale, just like Jay Leno. Uh, a couple <laughs> guys I would love to get on the show. But one of the things I've learned from you, John, is that Jackie really doesn't like to talk about himself. Uh, yeah. You know, a little private about that. I think he's a very humble man, a wonderful racer. So, the big question I have for you is, how do you write such an in-depth book about somebody that doesn't really like to talk about themselves? Well, in the first instance, I suppose, and it replicates a little bit of what happened with the Louder book, because Nicky Louder was another guy who had no interest in his own career. Um, and basically, would you know, if you tried to talk to Nicky about it, it was kind of, why are you, why are you doing all of this old tosh? But with Jackie, Jackie is a very humble guy, as you say, and he for an elite athlete, he doesn't like talking about his own achievements. He likes to talk about the people who made it all possible, the people who designed and built and prepared and ran the cars for him. And he extends that as well these days, particularly to talking about the people who marshal the circuits and the fans who attend and recognizes that without the fans, he hasn't got a, you know, he hasn't got a career. Um, as you found when you met him, he's very good at giving his time to his fans to give something back and I, I was chatting to uh, I was chatting to his wife actually at, at the Goodwood Festival at, at, in the middle of last year and she was saying that he, if he goes to an event and they'll, the organizer will say oh I need you to sign autographs for an hour you know he says well what if the guy who's been queuing for an hour and 10 minutes what if he's been waiting for two years what if a guy's come across halfway across the world see me and he's there for an hour and a half so what I'll do is I'll I'll sign until the last guy's gone and at, he'd, he'd been to a historic festival in Nogaro in France um, two weeks before Goodwood. And apparently over the course of two days, he'd signed for nine hours. Oh, my, <laughs> and, oh my God. I, no, I, I guess there are not many people who will do that no, sort of thing. No, there aren't. So that, that's the guy on one side. That's the guy you met. But on the other side of the court, oh, you know, as you say, is this guy who really doesn't look back. He looks forward. So the, the career that's behind him is behind him. And – he has avoided doing um, an autobiography for the best part of 40 years. He's contributed to other people's books. He's done interviews. He's signed, you know, he's written forwards and things like that. But he's never really collaborated on anything because it's not in his interest. But after about sort of 18 months trying to get to him via his older brother, Pascal, via his first wife, via the guy who used to run his um, fan site many years ago and via one of his oldest friends, uh, a Belgian racing driver called Billy Briard. He, um, we managed to get a copy of the Nicky Lauda book into his hands so he could see that what this was was, a, if you like, an encyclopedia of his career that examined all the country lanes of, uh, uh, of the races that he contested. And it wasn't a hagiography, it wasn't a hero worship piece, it was merely a factual account, a sort of this is your life of, of what you've done. And that resonated with him, and he decided he wanted to collaborate. And, uh, and having decided that he wanted to collaborate, he did so wholeheartedly. His recall is 
incredible. And the, the real joy of it was that the manuscript was finished by the time he actually decided to, to collaborate. So we, he joined in the editing process, physically read through each of the chapters as they came back from, from my editor. And a lot of it was done in real time. Some of it was done face to face. Some of it was done on, uh, on Skype or Zoom calls. And every so often, he'd, as he read through one of these, you'd see a little smile go across his face and you'd think, ha, he's remembered something. And either he's going to put me straight or he's going to tell me a story. And that was just a delight because wow. some of the things he, that he came out with, he hadn't thought about for decades. Well, this is a great metaphor for racing because racers are always looking way down the track, never behind them. And they mm. don't really care what's behind them. I mean, to a respect, of course, but they're always looking way ahead. And the fact that he's led his life like that is pretty important in a tie to his racing prowess and mm. and what he's done i mean the enormous depth of his racing and the different vehicles he's ra- boats cars it, i mean it seems like everything when you think about one of the most inspiring aspects of this man as you were putting the book together and I, we always talk about driving inspirations i call here mentors if you will mm. Is there or are there a couple of things you could touch on that were very inspirational for you as you were writing this book about Jack? Yeah, yeah, totally, Mark. I think the 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 the, the first thing that really strikes you about him is the guy has got a very well developed sense of his unimportance in the world, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. He was telling me he says that if you drive, he's obviously done not just the Paris Dakar, which he, which he won in nineteen eighty three, but he's done a 30 or 40 um, of these ultra-long distance marathon rallies. And he says that if you if you drive across the Tenere Desert and for 24 hours you don't see another human being, it kind of shows you your importance in the world um, <laughs> or, your, or your complete insignificance to the world. Um, and he says if you go to an African village where the people who live there have nothing but they would still give you everything they have. He's got a tremendous sense of humility and humanity, um, and that is incredibly inspiring about him. He's a very philosophical guy as well. You know, he um, he muses a lot on the human condition. I think that's that's one of the things that kind of sets him apart from um, other other sportsmen I've met certainly. Yeah, you know, what comes to mind is there was a movie years ago called Grand Canyon, and in that movie, a guy talks about being of little significance in this grand world. If you think about the Grand Canyon as a metaphor mm. of this and being, you know, a fly on a cow's bottom, uh, yeah. you know, and that's what comes to mind when you say that. But at the same time, for us automotive enthusiasts who are so impassioned of racing, for a guy like him, I look at his life and now you've got it in this wonderful book and I go, oh my gosh, what a life lived, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, com- completely um, fulfilled. I think that, you know, he he recognizes, you know, he does recognize that he's done some incredible things. Um, and sometimes you, you'll get him on the subject of, say, his his recovery drive at Le Mans in 1977, which was just a, a, an incredible feat of driving, doing multiple stints um, in horrendous weather overnight, but still making up huge amounts of time from the back of the back of the field really to to win the thing he he knows that there are some things that he's done that have been amazing but he you know firmly places the credit for those with other people as much as himself 
so so yeah, he knows he's good, but he doesn't sort of um, boast about it. If that makes yeah. sense. Well, one of the many things that makes him so great in who he is, yeah. and a great mentor yeah. for many people and for many superstar athletes this day these days, uh, they can learn a lot about that humility. Well, well tell you, what, you you said there about you know things that inspire me about him. I mean, he, he, just his his sheer zest for living and keeping cracking on with things. I mean, the guy turned seventy eight on New Year's Day. Um, Two years ago, he he bumped into a a, a free climber. You know these guys who oh, go up ro- rocks without yeah, yeah. without any ropes or anything. A chap called Thomas Bupendorf, or a German guy. And Bupendorf says to him, have you, "Have you ever done any climbing?" "No, but you know, did you fancy a go?" "So oh, yeah, all right." Oh. So um, I've got a photograph that was taken by Bupendorf. Well, it's in the back of the book. You, you'll find it. But um, it was taken by Bupendorf at the. Um, at the Tête de Chien, which is the uh, the mountains behind Monte Carlo as it, that goes up into the Bass Alps. So Bupendorf has climbed up it free and let down one rope, and Jackie's followed him up. So wow. there he is. He's in a polo shirt and a pair of chinos. Uh, <laughs> no gloves, no helmet, no nothing. You can see Monaco as a speck in the distance, and there he is, 76 years of age, halfway oh up the side of the mountain, and think, yeah, I think I, I'd like to be like that. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. There's a great quote. I'd like to be like Jackie. Uh, That's awesome. You know, we talk about challenges here. When you undertake writing a book in this in-depthness, I mean, the the level of detail, gathering all the imagery, the words, everything that has to go into this, and then finally getting Jackie to be involved, which must have just made your day. If you could pick or had to pick one of the biggest challenges that you've faced in putting this book together, I mean, there had to be many, but are there one or two that really stand out? Yeah, finding finding the source material for the first-hand accounts of stuff in, 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 is, is a crucial one, particularly if you're looking at something like his motorcycle trials career. I mean, he was he was twice the trials champion uh, of Belgium. And in fact, he, he competed against a guy who you'll know very well, Roger da Costa. Oh. Um, he, uh, he, yeah. uh, d- d- before da Costa became a, a motorcycle, a, a motocross uh, legend, he was a, he was a trials rider and he, 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 between 63, 64, 65, he and Jackie were trading the Belgian national championship between them. Left everybody else behind. I think they virtually won, won everything going between them and Everybody else is picking up the scraps. But trying to find first-hand reports or contemporary reports of a minor Belgian trials race in 1962, yeah, that's that's a chance. Because none of the press, none of the motoring press reported it. None of the right. magazines reported it. You're trying to find local newspapers or possibly, a, um, you know, a sort of motoring newspaper type type thing. But Wow. Scrambled around. There were eighty-three of the trials, and, and and were reported on all of them. Good for you. Awesome. Well, you're a bit of a detective. You have to be when you put something like this together, right? It. You know, the, uh, several people have said that to me. It is a bit like forensic police work. Um, you know, you you'll get half a dozen accounts of things together, um, and they don't always agree between themselves. And the ones that do aren't necessarily right. Uh, that that really came to light for me with, in 1964, he contested the Coupe de Spa, sorry, Coupe des Alpes um, tarmac rally. And there are five or six contemporary reports of this event um, in sort of local press and minor sporting publications. Five of the reports say that it was his brother, Pascal, who co-drove with a, with a fellow called Julian Verneuve. And one of the reports says it was Jackie. 
and it's the one report that says it's Jackie that is right. It was and right. the other five are wrong. <laughs> so, you know, normal consensus would say, well, that that's the the outlier is the one that's wrong. Well, it's actually the outlier is the one that's right. And I got this in the first instance from Pascal himself who told me that he was supposed to drive, but because Jackie had um, Jackie had written his own car off in a crash in the Cooper Spa a couple of weeks earlier and hadn't, you know, he couldn't do with the seat time, basically. So he, he gave up his seat to his brother. And I managed to find a, a photograph that had been uh, developed but never printed from a chapter of Maurice Luce and found the one account that told me what had happened, which didn't tell me a great deal. It, it told me that they'd retired because they'd crashed. Jackie himself had never seen the photograph, so he was very keen to see that. And uh, he, he was a good story, actually. He said, he said to me afterwards, he said, do you know why? He says, do you know why, um, why I didn't finish that? I said, no, Jackie, but I hope you can tell me. He says, um, well, he says, on the second day of the rally, the, um, the throttle jammed open. Julian is driving, and um, we decide we're going to carry on. So Julian has the steering and the gears, and my job is the ignition switch. Oh, my so, gosh, they kept turning the car off and on? So, so I, we arrive at a corner, I turn off, and Julian gets it around the corner. And one corner, I was not fast enough. Oh, no. And, um, and we went a long way down a mountain. Oh, jeez. And, and we rolled, and the roof came in, and the windows came in. Uh. And when we stopped, I could, I could smell burning. And I said, Julian, Julian, we have to get out. The car's on fire. And Julian looked at me and said, Jackie, you are covered in the contents of the ashtray. <laughs> oh, different says, times, right? I have not thought of this for 40 years. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it, it, it was the, the stories like that. There's no way on earth that you're going no. to find anything like that ever published in a, in, a, in, a, in a news article, but just some crazy guy from England who asked him about a, a thing that he'd done very briefly in 1964 happened to stir that memory. Straight from the horse's mouth, as they say. So, wow. Amazing. Well, bucket list ideas. Um, when you spoke with him and you uncovered all of this, is there anything that, I mean, a guy from climbing in a mountain, I guess, is is still on Jackie's bucket list that you uncovered? It's so hard to know, Mark, because he's, you know, he's a, he's a sucker for new experiences. I mean, he He's married to a lady called Kajanin, who is a, a, a singer from, uh, from, from uh, Mali. And um, they built a house out there on the banks of the Niger. And he, sp he spends a lot of time in Africa. He seems to love Africa. So I, I think he, he spends a lot of time giving back. He's just, been, he's just been working as a support driver on the Dakar this year again. Many years ago, he, was, um, um, he, he, he did a a rally in uh, in Belgium for the local Toyota team in return for which they they gave um, two Toyota land cruisers to a mission out in Africa so he i think that his ambitions are probably around sort of the more charitable or things that repay the human condition rather than in, in experiences for himself. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Very cool. Well, I always like to ask my guests about special vehicle stories. Since we're talking about mm -hmm. Jackie today, in all this uncovering you did of his life, was there one special race, one special car that seemed to light him up? Um, he... It's strange because when I think in some ways the the most significant races or the most significant cars aren't necessarily the ones that you would um, that you would think. I, it, perhaps turning the question on his head, I 
I asked him about the, the cars that he least liked, oh, you know, and, okay. I, and I expected that he might say something like the IROC Camaros because he, you know, by his own admission, he did not do well. He did, he did IROC twice and, and I think he came last both times. Um, but, um, so I thought he was going to say those and he said, no, the, the car that he really didn't like was the BMW three liter CSL. Um, he said he just found it so physical and exhausting that sort of, you know, two laps of the Nürburgring in 1974 and he was wrecked. Um, you know, his, his name is synonymous, obviously, with things like the uh, Ford GT40 or the Porsche uh, 956, um, and obviously with, you know, Ferrari 312Bs. And, uh, so so th- those are the things that you would kind of expect. But whenever he sees something that he, he drove, you know, he, he, there's this almost like a schoolboyish enthusiasm about him pretty much with anything that he ever drove he, he just loves things with uh, with engine he um i still think secretly his greatest joy is motorcycles really wow yeah um in um in the 1960s when he was still a trials rider he he uh, was picked up by um the the factory uh, suzuki team and did a couple of races on the rm62 50cc screamers you know these ridiculous yeah howling things um and he was supposed to contest the um the belgian motorcycle grand prix um for suzuki in 1962 but he um he was too young and the belgian motorcycle federation said so there's you know he's there on the entry list his name's there suzuki had flown a bike over from japan for him and he wasn't allowed to take the start so by the time he was old enough to to race at the senior level in it Suzuki had closed its European base in Belgium, and the, the contact was lost. He said, if, had it not been for that, he might well have been a professional racing motorcyclist and not a racing driver. But um, he, he seems to have a huge amount of fun riding motorbikes. Fantastic. We'll see if you can answer this, John, because this question typically forces my guests to dive into their own souls. And what I mm. ask you is if if you were a vehicle, if you were reincarnated, manifest as a vehicle. But, of course, I'm going to tie this to Jackie. Okay. So if there's oh, a way uh, if there's a way you can crawl into his skull and you could define a vehicle that Jackie X is, okay, you gotta dig deep for this one. What would it be? Well a vehicle that he is. Yeah. Based on his character and personality. Yeah. Yeah. I would say he is probably something like either a Porsche nine five six or maybe uh a Toyota Land Cruiser, in the sense okay, that there's he, two very different vehicles. Yeah, well, but but if if you if you, if you look at them in, in in the sense that he is he is relentless ah, and ah, um, okay, got it. just keeps going, keeps going, and keeps going, and keeps going, um, and uh, with that sort of dogged, stoical determination that gets to the end, um, not necessarily the fastest way but in the right way that gets the result um so yeah i i think he's probably a bit of that utterly reliable um utterly uh, well i guess a little bit self-effacing um yeah well nicely done uh, and it makes sense for an endurance racer because uh yeah it's the long game just like life it's it's not a sprint it's a marathon and so much of what he's done is just that so both those vehicles tie nicely 
I would have never thought of those as relatable, but now that you put it that way, I, I can see that for sure. Well, of course, we always talk about a great book, and again, so that I get this title right, Jackie X, His Authorized Competition History by John Saltonstall. The preface is by Jackie, and the forward by another Carjack guest, Derek Abel, another great mm. racer. And I'm going to put a link to the Nikki Lauda book as well, in case you have not got your hands on that. Is that still available for people that didn't get it? Co- c- certainly is. And uh, I think since last we spoke, the much much to my surprise and, and delight, the Lauda book was the runner-up in the uh, 2020 RAC Motoring Book of the Year Awards, wow. which was a, a bit of a surprise for a, a guy who nobody's ever heard of. So, uh, yeah. Wow, that's tremendous. Uh, I, I I love that book. I've got my copy. So, listeners, here's two books you should have on your library shelf, most definitely. Now, I always ask my guests as well about going on the ultimate drive. I enable my guests to go on the ultimate drive. Again, I'm going to spin this into Jackie's world, since you've been a guest on the show before. If I was to offer Jackie X what I call the ultimate drive, meaning I'm going to park any car in his driveway, it could be a race car, street car, he can take it anywhere and he can take anybody with him because that's interesting because he loves to relate and talk to people. Uh, is that too far-fetched for you to be able to answer that question? I, I should imagine that if you offered him, any, it would probably be, I should think these days, these days it would probably be a trip across Africa, some bit of Africa in uh uh, in, in, in some kind of, um, whether, whether it be in one of the, uh, the, the Peugeots or the, uh, or the Citroëns or probably, probably, probably one of the Porsche 959, oh. uh, rally, something like that would probably be lighting these candle in terms of a blast across Africa. But, but knowing, knowing him, I would think by a different route from, from one of the ones he did before, because he would like somewhere different. If he had to get in a car and, and go around a track, I reckon he would probably take a Ferrari 312 PPE around the old spa um, just to see if he could eclipse his 1973 lap there. Um, who he would take with him, crikey. <laughs> Maybe Nelson Mandela? Oh, and, uh, yeah. He, he, knew, he knew Mandela. Um, really? He certainly, certainly met him. Because um, he, 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 he tends to throw quotes in from time to time. And Mandela gave him a quote that he uses from time to time, which is, uh, I never lose. I either win or I learn. Oh, nice. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think I'm, I'm guessing because it's a question I've never asked him. But I would think it would probably be something like that. Well, I think you may have answered my next question as we kind of end our talk here, and that is some final parting words or words of wisdom. That quote you just gave me is pretty darn cool. Can we share that one more time? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, 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 I never lose. I either win or I learn. He did. He did say one to me as well, Mark, which was um, uh, he, he said, "If your dreams don't scare you, they're not big enough." <laughs> I, you know, great way as we start into this new year, uh, 2023. I mean, we're almost, well, we are through pretty much the day the show airs will be the end of January, which is frightening how fast time Just starts bit, to yeah. fly, especially when, uh, more mature guys like you and I start to, uh, uh, get to this point in our lives. But, uh, yeah, great things to think about you for you listeners as you look into the future and into the new year. More importantly, you got to get your hands on this book. Uh, our friends at Evro, published some amazing books. They've sent me so many great guests and the fact that John's back here today to talk about this next one. By the way, what's next for you, John? <laughs> well, I, I have to have a, I have a conversation at the end of this month with the uh, editorial director at Evro. Um, obviously, you know, the commercial realities of the world at the moment make it 
um, quite challenging for you know to produce high cost, high value books that have or, or books that are expensive to produce because they have high photograph content and things oh. like that. But I have two or three ideas that I would like to do. Um, um, this similar sort of treatment, this sort of competition history treatment, uh, at least in the short term. Um, one of them about a guy who's alive and who would very much resonate with you. Another about a guy who's dead, but who would equally very much resonate with you. Okay. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it, I'm very hesitant about saying whom on the basis that if for whatever reason they don't happen, then you feel that you've kind of yeah. disappointed people or or, or, or or upset their expectations. But uh, hopefully within within a couple of months we should we should have a yes or a no as to as to the next one i'd very much like to do more of them i've got them in me all right well we sure hope you do because you produce some amazing amazing books for us and insights in depth into people's lives that none of us would ever really know uh, without the amazing work that you've done and you had told me in our pre-show chat if it wasn't for COVID, this probably would have been a five-year project instead of a three-year right yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right, Mark. As I, as I say, the um, be, being constrained from going out gave me the time to do it. I think if, if to get another one done, I don't think the next. Well, depends <laughs> if if I do if I did if I do the living guy, it probably even be bigger than Nexus. But um, I think that the next thing I need to do is retire from the day job <laughs> to, be, <laughs> to be able to do this properly. Yeah, well, I understand. Yeah, a huge amount of work, but we're sure happy that you uh, produce these. Uh, what's the best way? I know I'm going to put how people can get their hands on the book. Is there a good way for people to follow along with you these days? Um, yeah, I mean, they, there's there's often news on the everopublishing.com website. Um, I'm on Facebook. You'll find me on there just under my name. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's probably the easiest way for people to hook up with me. And uh, I'm always happy to accept uh, friend requests from uh, fellow petrol heads. Absolutely. Well, listeners, again, you got to get your hands on this book that John has uh, put together with his friends, all of our friends at Evro. I mean, just incredible book. It's wonderful. I'm so happy I have a copy. Uh, it may take me three years to get through this, though, uh, with all the books that I get to look at and review. But um, I'm going to put it on the top of my stack here. It's on my desk and uh, enjoy it for sure. And especially since I got to meet Jackie and talk with him a little bit. Uh, what a wonderful guy. What a life. Uh, yeah. If uh, your dreams don't scare you, uh, you need to reevaluate your dreams <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I, th- I, th- I thought that, that, that was a very telling comment. Yeah, absolutely. John, hey, thanks for taking a little time with me uh, this evening, uh, talking about this book and sharing your life. So good to reconnect with you again. Uh, next time I'm in London, I'll stay a little longer. So maybe we can uh, go to a pub and I can listen to you and your band play a little music. That would be fun. Excellent. Well, certainly when you're over here, look me up. I will. Absolutely. Thanks for spending some time with us today until you and I talk again, my friend. Hopefully before three years, I'll see oh, you <laughs> down the road. Thanks, Mark. No, it's an absolute joy, and I do appreciate you uh, inviting me again. Thank you. It's very kind. You're always welcome here at Cars Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!